I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hi, this is Ro, host of The Queen Pod. Queen have very kindly allowed us to use their wonderful music on this podcast, which is awesome. But the rest is up to us, darlings. Our goal is to provide you with an entertaining and informative companion piece to the entire Queen back catalogue. All of Queen, track by track. So, if you're in a position to offer us some support, please go to www.patreon.com forward slash queenpod and take a look at how to get involved. Thanks so much, and now sit back and enjoy while we rock you. Hello and welcome to Queen Pod. It's me, Ro, here to tell you all about this lovely special that we have released. Uh, it is a hour-long chat with the Queen archivist, Greg Brooks. Now, if you have listened to the final episode of Season 2, our fan special, you will have heard a good 15 minutes of this chat. That is how long we were supposed to have a chat with him. But we got on with him so well, and he was so lovely and so brilliant. We couldn't stop asking him questions. We ended up talking to him for a whole hour. So this is it. This is the um, interview in its entirety. It includes the bits that we put out uh, previously, just for the context of the whole thing, so it all flows and is correct. I hope you enjoy it. We all hope you enjoy it. We certainly uh, enjoyed having Greg on the pod. Uh, so, uh, yes, we will be back soon with lots of good stuff, including a look at Queen Greatest Hits 1, which we're very excited about. Um, but in the meantime, sit back and enjoy a delve into all the secret good stuff that Queen have in their archives with Greg Brooks. Now, we have a very special treat for all of you, for we have the official Queen archivist, uh, author of Queen uh, concept documentary, co-author of Freddie Mercury, A Life in His Own Words. It is, of course, the wonderful Greg Brooks. Greg, thank you for joining us, man. Thank you so much. Hello. Thank, Thank you, you for having Thank me. It's very kind of you. <laughs> no, it's been lovely. And also, I uh, just wanted to thank you for all the little uh, choice little nuggets that you've been slipping silent over the last, oh, yes, over good, the yeah. last year. It's been so, so appreciated. Yeah, um, some of them have been know. quite nice, haven't they? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I've allowed definitely. Cyber to take credit, but in my heart, I've been giving you the credit. <laughs> no, they've been so nice, genuinely treats. Really, really beautiful. Thank you so okay. much. Um, so we thought we'd just kick off with a few general questions about you, and uh, I'm sure that the guys here have got some questions they desperately want to know about all the stuff that you know. Uh, and then I've got a couple of uh, fan questions as well. But I just wanted to kick off by um, by just talking about um, uh, your new book that you are working on there's nothing new about it what are you talking about (laughs) just recently decided to put a book together right in the last couple of weeks yeah it's Um, it's taken about four days so far (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah plus plus an an additional 17 years yeah right (laughs) yeah yeah so long isn't it it's been it's been four days and 17 years Years. (laughs) (laughs) so um uh, you've called the book I Want It All. 
Uh, Why is that? As in, why don't you tell us what you've been up to? (laughs) What prompted you to start putting this together, really? It's a good question. It's been called that from about five minutes after conceiving it. That's never changed. Oh, wow. Um, I was at Brian's, uh, in the Brian's archive one day, sorting out his various things, all this stuff that I was doing at the time, um, included sorting all the all the cases and boxes and bags he, he had all over the house and various properties and bringing it all together. And it didn't take very long for me to think, actually, this would make a lovely book, wouldn't it, all this memorabilia? Um, and the more I thought about it in that afternoon, I, was, I immediately started thinking about titles. And then I saw I Want It All single. And I thought, that really says it all, doesn't it? it I mean, does, there's yes. so many people that I've known over the years, and they would all, most of them anyway, would all say, well, I want it all. If I could have it all, I would. Yeah. <laughs> that's where it came from, and it hasn't, it has never changed. In terms of, like, is, is the objective to try and make as complete a collection in book form as you can out of all of the treats that are sat in the Queen archives? or The intention of the book really was to bring together as many things as possible could do into one place for the first time uh, a lot of the stuff I knew no one had ever seen because Brian retains the only copies of certain things certain posters he has from the early days of Queen and even Smile the pre-Queen band wow. and even in Queen time he and the band members would all be given things that nobody else would be given so for example in 75 um John Reed, the manager at the time, gave them all four of them a little gold-plated, I think it might even be gold rather than gold-plated, um, souvenir badge for Bohemian Rhapsody reaching number one. So wow. they they all so got there were one. only ever four of those? There were only ever four. So wow. Brian has things like that, and he's retained his copy. I don't know if the other guys have got theirs. But he often will keep acetates... Um, unique recordings, all kinds of oddments, menus. If he went out for a a meal, he would keep the menu. Uh, Those kind of things that nobody else would think to keep. All the tour programmes and the passes and the laminate passes and all the things he would have had uniquely, including, oh, just just too many things to mention and and things that his (laughs) mum and dad would have collected as well because his mum and dad made sure they archived as many things as they could for him. And between the three of them, they they more or less kept everything. And then when I came along, we so we bought two or three big collections and we never we haven't got it all. No one's got it all. As I I write in the introduction, nobody can have everything. But Brian's got a lot of it. And the things we didn't have, we reached out to fans all around the world. So one way or the other, we we achieved what I set out to do, which was to offer I want even that even the fans that have seen everything or believe they've seen everything and have the biggest collections have already told me some of the things I've shown them. They, they didn't even know existed, oh, wow. much less oh, seen no. them. So oh, that's God. that's what I want. I want people to want people to open this book and be blown away by the the scale of it and the diversity of it. So is is Brian the main collector in the band? So are you are you dealing with his and Roger and John's and Freddie's collections or is it mainly yours and Brian's? It's 95% Brian's stuff. Mm. He Yes, he is the Bill Wyman of, the, of Queen. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's been said before, but it is absolutely true. He, he's, he's the man that recognised early on these things are worth keeping. Wow. Um, in fact, so are there things that you ever say to Roger... Brian hasn't got this thing. Did, did you keep it? And Roger's like, no, I chucked that away years no, ago. So here's your frustrating Roger element. Roger wasn't, didn't keep a lot of that stuff. Uh, uh, you, you know, you could say he's probably too busy enjoying himself than to think, <laughs> I know, I'll keep this menu in my top pocket. <laughs> Brian really did, and he, he loves that stuff. He's got a lot of affection and sentimentality for all those little details that, that, collectively make up queen history they all have a tiny part to play so it's dealing with his stuff mainly um roger has retained certain things he's got he has some diaries which i've been through looking for things like not necessarily memorabilia but more information right um so 
over the 24 years I've been around, I've gone through everything I can lay my hands on um, regarding memorabilia, diaries, notes, notebooks, and pretty much by now have gleaned everything that it's pos possible to glean from a physical point of view. The rest of it's in the in the brains of the the three remaining guys, you know. Amazing. Mm. I really enjoyed your feature in that uh, recent record collector um, Thank you. that you did. Uh, it was beautifully written. And um, uh, uh, when you laid out the stuff, you have these gorgeous pictures of all of them and, and, and just the right amount of information mm -hmm. about each of those bits, which was really, really exciting to read. Yes. Is that sort of the layout of the book? Is that kind of how you've put it together? Kind of. It's. I mean... I got involved in that so heavily because it was a nice promotion for the book. Sure. I also wanted to get some idea of the reaction and how people would react to certain things. So mm. I did deliberate things like I, I put some real treasures in there, real posters and Japanese posters and oddments and laser discs. But I also put some peculiar things like the four masks of the band members, oh, yes. you know, the cardboard mask. Yes. Just to see if people hated That's that really stuff fun. and thought, why would... <laughs> why would you do that or <laughs> actually people have said that is fun yeah it's nice yeah. to go from yeah. the from the absurd and ridiculous as well as the serious stuff yeah yeah so absolutely. the book really should really cover everything that from the sublime to the ridiculous to the novelty and the wonderful posters and albums that you'd expect so, well uh greg I don't know if you can see behind me a pretty modest uh, <laughs> collection. Uh, you say it covers everything. Um, Greg, do you do you have uh, an unofficial uh, candle of Freddie Mercury dressed as a Bavarian prince for no reason whatsoever? Yes, that's on the cover of the book. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we, we went instead with Freddie dressed as Mona Lisa, mm. which I oh. have an item here, a, a framed picture that I bought at a Queen fan club convention. Oh, wow. Um, really obscure thing. I, I, we have got some really stupid, outrageous things that have no business ever to have been manufactured. <laughs> uh, but well, that, that would have been up there with it, that thing you showed me, yes. The, the truth test. In the sequel book. <laughs> yeah, the true test of any Queen fan. Great. Here we go, John. Come on. Come on, bring out the big guns. I know what's coming in. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> How many editions of Queen in Cornwall do you have? <laughs> ah. Just the one, no. I think. Ah. ah. Well, that's what sets archivists like me aside from you, Greg, because I've got... I've got two editions of Queen in Cornwall, and one of them is, is signed by the author. Well, I might be lying to make you feel better, because I do actually collect books. That's one of the few things I still collect. And I, I've got so many books, they've had to go out into the garage, because once upon a time, I would buy the hardback and the softback and mm. the Japanese and the French, just for fun, really. Wow. But it got a bit much, so... <laughs> It's all out in the garage. I got rid of a lot of my own stuff because I just don't have the room and or other good reasons. But the things I do collect still and have kept are Japanese books and magazines and any magazines with Queen or Freddie on the cover and books. I mean, Amazing. as an archivist, I need to be able to lay my hands on any book and any bit of information if I'm asked for it. And you'd be surprised how often I am asked for strange pieces of information. So do you well, know where if, everything is? Do you kind of have it? Yeah, I think so. I, I think I know where it is precisely or at the very least uh, a good idea where it, there's nothing that I would think I have no idea at all where that is. Right, right, right. By now we know we've been through all the posters and all the CDs and all the vinyl and all the cassettes and all the costumes and T-shirts. So there's... I know generally where they are. There's, there's one thing in John's collection that has always surprised me and tickled me, and I'm, I'm going to throw that down, and that is the unused Freddie Mercury Christmas cracker. Is that right, John? <laughs> yeah. Have you I, got that? Yeah I, yeah, I didn't have the heart to, uh, I mean, that to is, crack it. This feels like high-end stuff. I mean... <laughs> I'm in awe of this. I just... I'm almost sobbing. I'm sobbing almost because it's. I failed to get it in the book. Uh, <laughs> not too late. 
There is but, still time, but I'm just going to pretend there isn't, you know, that's all right. <laughs> I tell you what, if someone, if I die and someone finally cracks this cracker, and there's mm. one of those gold Bohemian Rhapsody badges oh, inside, yeah. I'm really, really annoyed. Oh, wow. I just like Willy Wonka's ticket, my God. Where did you get that monstrosity from, anyway? <laughs> <laughs> well, they, there was a themed... Um, oh, Jesus, look at that. It's uh, there was I, th- I think there was David Bowie, Elton John, Freddie, and someone else in a in a sort of special edition of Christmas crackers. And a couple of years ago, this was at my place at my girlfriend's parents when we had Christmas dinner, and I was absolutely I was smitten when I saw him. Is he being? Autoerotica, whatever it is. Strange meaning to it. Look at his neck. Yeah, the ribbons are placed around the uh, mm-hmm. bits in the cracker what, that you that you grab, and they, it looks <laughs> like, yeah, it could it be from like... the Munich era, Simon. Can <laughs> <laughs> yeah. By the way, before we go off at another ridiculous tangent, I'm sitting here in my office and have been for months putting this book together. And only about two hours ago, I came across this picture of a trout, a singing trout fish that sings We Will Rock You. And then I saw the Mona Lisa thing. And then I thought, actually, I really should put together a two page of obscure, ridiculous things. So if you're able to get a decent photo of that, and it'd it'd have to be quite sharp and ideally on a white background, nice sharp photo, I'll try and get it in. I'll use that. Wow. The, the, the Freddie Mercury Christmas cracker. The cracker, that is there funny. There you go, John. There we go. That's a huge win. Oh, oh wow. Almost yeah. huge. <laughs> you think, Fergus, you can get I some photos of it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I can, stand I can it up and get a good yep. 3D shot and then lay it down, a little bit of shadow and a good light and a nice sharp photo. <laughs> and I'll, I'll try will. and get it in. I will obsess about that for hours. <laughs> that. Exactly right. Um, and, and do you want photos of the two editions of Queen in Cornwall? No. <laughs> I'll just double check. anybody. <laughs> um, can we hear the... Um, are we allowed to hear the fish singing? You would if I had batteries. I haven't got it here. It's in Brian's collection. Oh, it's, oh okay. Oh. Gotcha. Tell you oh, what right. I have got, though. I'll show you something that I bought myself the other day, if you want a good laugh, if you yeah. give me yeah. one minute. Yeah, I've got course. to show I've not shown anyone. I've been too embarrassed. Oh, my God. This is so <laughs> oh, hello. Hold on there, mate. This is great. Oh, it is great. I love this podcast <laughs> so much. I'm just so mischief. taken with the Bavarian candle. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, well done, John. My God, you've got yourself in the book. That's so cool. I'm brilliant. <laughs> right then. All right, what's this? Here we go. I bought myself this box. Okay. 25 quid. On the, and I only bought it for the book because I just couldn't believe what I was seeing. So I don't know if I'm going to be able to show you this. Have a look at these beasts. Where's the camera? Can you see? A little bit. Oh, oh look. Oh, wow. Wow. Oh, okay. Are, so it's a beautiful set of the band. Uh, look at with Where's the camera? Is that it? Freddy. Oh, my God. Oh, God. They've I been mean, in a hot... Oh, something awful's are... happened. Something happened to his head. Jeez. Somebody okay. said, give me a little head or something like that to him. So they, they gave it's him like a, a John head. Carpenter body horror. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like when you first... Guitar. That's, not that's one of those blow-up ones you get at karaoke. Fantastic, isn't it? It's like... awesome. It's got to go in the book, oh, isn't it? Yeah, when you yeah. first opened it, and we we saw the box and was that a big all these lovely drum in the middle. That looks well made. Look, is he going? When I finished oh, he's with got drumsticks. When I finished with this, I mean, he book, literally looks like. By all means, feel free to make me an offer. <laughs> How much did you spend on these? These are so bad. 25 quid. Awful, aren't they? But you'll see them in the book. Hand painted by a dog. You'll see your cracker right next door to that. (laughs) That It's like when I did pottery at school, that sort of stuff that I came out with. But when you first opened the book, we were all like, oh, wow, a beautiful set of figurines about the band. (laughs) You know, closer to the camera, we got to see that they are melted monstrosities. (laughs) (laughs) Even Queen logos. I thought generally. Okay, you've got to cover LPs and CDs and cassettes and posters and T-shirts. 
but you can't ignore the appalling stuff either. Yeah. You know, it is memorabilia. Yeah. And and some people do collect those things, you yeah, know. Fun mm. merchandise is always fun merchandise, right? That's yeah, the so that you'll um, see a bit of that in there. I've got no idea, um, by the way, what the band will say when I hand this book in in June. <laughs> oh. It could all get just it could do. I mean, I'm not even joking. It could just get thrown out, the whole book. <laughs> oh, just a big red line through the whole lot. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it wouldn't surprise me at all. Oh. It would be horrendous, but they may well say, Craig, you, you know, I know you've got a sense of fun and there is there is a certain amount of humour within Queen, or it always has been, but you've gone too far. <laughs> <laughs> I think, so, I, can we just say in advance, if they say that about the cracker... That was all John, not not oh, yeah. the rest of us. <laughs> There's no way I'm taking that on the chin. When, when's the book due to come out at this point? Well, aiming, for aiming for October. Oh, lovely. So if I get it finished well, and approved by yeah. July latest, yeah. we reckon we can do October. Oh, perfect. Yeah. We'll be able to do a big so shout it, out for it. When it it would be out. great. I mean, yeah. it, it would be nice to do it. It's, it's, it's going to be just, huge, uh, right? Just a massive... Book. It is a big book. It's 460 pages, we oh, think. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Um, and so it covers every project you could conceivably think of from all mm. countries. What an amazing um, achievement. Thank yes. you for existing, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. doing this for the rest of us. I very nearly reached the point where I didn't exist. <laughs> I, thought, I can't. I can't take it anymore. Oh what? Because you were spending so much money on memorabilia. I just thought enough. You know, <laughs> need to stop out, please. Yeah, I'm so glad that became your job. The problem I had, the massive problem I had, was I didn't begin the book with all the images that I would need all sorted. I had about twelve hard drives over the last seventeen years that collectively had one hundred and sixty thousand images. Jesus Christ! Whoa. With multiple multiple dupes dupes all over the place because mm -hmm. i was forever safety copying safety copies so i've got a couple of questions for you um mm. and we've got a few listener questions that we thought we'd would would be good to answer while you were with us if that's yes. all right um <clears throat> so my question is when you're wandering through these uh, mystery archive buildings wherever they may be uh, what other items in there like maybe one or two items that that when when you when you when they catch your eye they make your heart still skip a beat, even to this point where you're just like, oh, that is that is just the best thing ever. <laughs> you just want so, me to sound like an anoraki nerd, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> you're fine, you're fine. No, 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 I genuinely, yeah, I mean, everyone listening to this obviously wants to be able to go into the building where you and occasionally Simon will go into, but you go into regularly. So you have access to all this wonderful stuff to the point where it's your job. You maybe take it for granted to an extent. I'm sure you don't. But on no, some level, by comparison to maybe the rest of us who would be going in there for the first time going, oh, wow. What is the stuff in there? Is there one or two things in there that still make you go, just yeah. stop and stare at it for a moment? <laughs> yeah, there are. I mean, it depends what floats your boat and what you like. I like, generally speaking, anything Japanese, anything to do with early Queen, and posters so brian has early japanese posters for example they're absolutely gorgeous he has lots of tour passes backstage passes and laminates going right back to the motlow and um, motlow hoople tours of wow. 73 and he has stuff like that which are amazing but I, I i even love things like sheet music he's got sheet music for the first single and for oh all the early singles and he's got uh mexican seven inch singles and zimbabwean lps <laughs> and chinese so jazz that which we've picked up along the way he's got things like um the tour jackets that he would have been given at the time mm. and most of them look like they were made yesterday mm. wow, they're in that good condition oh my god i did a spread yesterday where i chose six six of the jackets to show on a two-page spread and i did actually sit there for 10 minutes just looking at them because they're oh. so lovely because some people as i mentioned in the thanks to the book i think it was appropriate to i thought it was appropriate to credit all the designers and photographers that have ever photographed or designed That's queen memorabilia right because right. some of it is absolutely stunning 
So there's lots of things, lots of things that I love. Can I ask a couple of questions? Yes, do. Mm. Um, firstly, I whenever any a lot of us have this experience, and I'm sure you have it more than anyone. Whenever anything to do with Queen appears anywhere, I'll get lots of notifications on social media. And recently, probably two months ago, three months ago, there was a big auction in a local auctioneer's of Queen flight cases. There were loads of cutouts from the Great Pretender video. And did you buy all the stuff? Because I'm just wondering who <laughs> bought it, because it was an insane amount of big, like, great memorabilia. And I just wondered if that got snaffled no, up. I, I'm not always aware of them. I'm registered with about at least a dozen auction houses, and they they often, it's getting too much, actually. I, I usually, every day now, will get a notification of a of a sale coming up, and view view the auction it says view all the lots but if i were to do that with every one that i i got I, it it would be more or less full time mm -hmm. just monitoring auctions but it would be good to be tipped off so if you ever see any good stuff like that it's always <laughs> good but, but generally speaking no there was a there was a time back uh, probably a decade ago where brian was more up for buying stuff like that or queen were and if lyric handwritten lyrics came up for sale i would write to the band or to Jim Beach and say, these are coming up, do we want them? But more and increasingly, they were saying, no, no, we, we've got enough. When Where does it end? So we, we, we kind of stopped buying those things. But there are incredible things that come up all the time. People that used to work for Queen back in the day are now reaching an age where they're retiring. Or indeed, some of them have died. And families put up for auction their collection they they go into the garage and they find what their husband has been hoarding in the garage boxes or attic and some amazing treasures as happened with uh mike stone when he passed loads of great stuff came up do you do you know where freddie's yellow leather jacket is because mm. that was that was sold yes. at auction a few years ago yeah that it? sold a good decade ago and we we uh, that was one of the things that I did flag and say, surely we want to buy this, but they weren't really interested in, in it, oh, really? so, which was a bit surprising, but they have their reasons. So I know the lady who bought that, and she's very discerning, and she, she buys all kinds of quite elegant things rather than just anything. She's quite discerning and chooses what she's going to spend her money on. And uh, I think that went for something like, 10 or 12 grand at the time and it's probably worth 50 or 60 now so you it's a very wise way of investing your money you're mm. never going to get anything like that return at any bank yeah mm. yeah fair yeah. play should we have some listen did you have another question there john do we have some music <laughs> well, I've got another question, but yeah, maybe I'll ask that no, no, at the end because no, it might that. be covered. It might be covered by the listeners. Yeah, I'll, I've got a question. Go I'll on, wait, Suze, you haven't somewhat, asked a question. No, because if a fans asked it, I've trampled all over them, and this <laughs> is about the fans. <laughs> this Suze. is this is for you those see, guys. See what generous spirits you've joined. <laughs> uh, they, they never talk like this when you're here, actually. Uh, <laughs> Okay. All right, a great. horrible bunch. <laughs> well, this is really a question for all of us, but I think only you would answer to a lot of this, Greg, which is why I thought I'd include it in this section. So Gary Cooper, the famous Gary Cooper, has asked us, uh, did they ever record the track Hangman? They played it live in the early shows up to 1976, but was it ever recorded? And if so, will it ever be released? Well, I've never heard a studio recording. I've only ever heard live recording. There was talk some years ago by a guy who subsequently died, a, a fan called John Stewart wrote to me and said that he had an acetate of Hangman. Now, I don't know there would ever have been a reason for an acetate to have been created. It wasn't ever considered for a single or to be on an album. And even if it were to be on an album, it would have been on an acetate with three or four other tracks. So I don't think it was ever... I've never heard a recording in the studio. I don't think it was ever going to be released in any way. So I doubt there exists any studio recording of that song. Do you have any idea 
why it kind of fell by the way so because it just seems to have been a very popular track in their live set early on no it? you know, I, I don't know it, it, it's but... it's a bit of an obscure thing and it's it's a, it's on its own in that most of the stuff queen performed in their earliest concerts before they had a record deal they went on to record hmm. albeit in very different forms sometimes but most of the most of the stuff they played live maybe without exception or the exception of hangman they did subsequently record but i've been through all the earliest recordings all the multi-tracks listened to everything and never heard never heard that which you could say well maybe they didn't keep it maybe they didn't like it enough but there's other things they kept which they would never want to be public not the best performances or you know just a rehearsal or a run through and they kept that so i would have thought if they had recorded it there would be one or two takes somewhere and i've never heard them so i think no is the answer that feels Mm. fairly definitive in a similar manner mark wade specifically said could you please ask books this will there ever be an anthology release of queen along the lines of the beatles anthologies i know there was talk of this possibly happening back in the 90s i believe greg brooks was maybe working through hours of outtakes i remember him playing some teasers at one of the conventions which included the track silver salmon which is a song i really like the second half of silver salmon i genuinely Hmm. think is wicked (laughs) it's so good Hmm. um yeah I mean, I guess the same kind of answer, really. Well, that's a big question, really. When I first started with Queen, that we were talking about the possibility of an anthology and what form it might take, and the band were interested in options. So the small team of Queen team got our heads together and we came up with all kinds of things. So I remember, for example, we came up with an idea for five boxes, and one of the first box would have the queue on the spine and the next would have you and so on mm. and we were going to split the entire career up into five sections and then we did a three box one and then we did uh, a small box for each album but realized that certain albums didn't really stand alone on their own in terms of anthology for example you know you, people are going to buy the game and the works more more times than they're going to buy just a queen two or she hard attack because of the the early albums have fewer songs that you would recognize the title of if you weren't a big right. queen fan mm. wow. so you have to imagine you know joe public going into a store picking up a queen box seeing seven seas arise the only song title they know so we we had to think about all those things and we did put together some really quite elaborate proposals for all kinds of anthologies and then for whatever reason, they didn't happen. And I think it's probably true that the band think that you only do an anthology when you've got nothing else to offer or your career's over. Right, 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 right. Their mm. career they're is very popular. They feel their career is has a long way to go. So that's the sort of thing you might do in five years' time or 30 years' time. Right, right, right. Uh, but we have planned it and we have come close. I mean, as you know, we've done the News of the World 40th anniversary box uh, where we did do precisely that anthology thing where we went into the archive and we dug out at least one version of each song on the album and offered it in an alternative form. Oh, um, you got that right, John. Did you pick that up? Yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> and absolutely, absolutely it. I did ask, I asked Brian this question and, and as it's so often the way with Queen, you may be even better um qualified to answer it than Brian himself who doesn't know what songs he played while pedal on but so um I'm a I'm a big fan of Frank Zappa and he is obsessed an obsessive and row hates it because I mention him on pretty every, much every podcast pretty much every every one bar one how but he, he was an obsessive this? archivist, so he had pretty much a recording of everything he ever even did anywhere, and to the point at which it's in its own sort of vault. My understanding from Queen is that they're, most of what they recorded, they released. They didn't sort of work too long on songs that weren't right. So is it fair to say that there, there isn't sort of another 20 albums worth of rarities it's 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 stuff from the specific sessions for the albums 
Or is there a bunker that only you have access to <laughs> that's like a kind of Willy Wonka's chocolate factory <laughs> for Queen fans? Well, there's a couple of ways of answering that. The general premise is 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 accurate that most uh, most of the time the stuff they worked longest on was released in some form. So whatever album you care to mention, let's take um, Sheer Heart Attack as an example. If you went back to the all the recordings we have, most of the work will be represented on the album that was released or an album later. Um, there might be one or two things on Sheer Heart Attack that didn't make the album and wasn't finished or weren't finished because they weren't very strong. They have invariably have something about them which is nice and would be worth revisiting. But at the time, they must have thought, it's not quite working, let's come back to it one day, and they never did. So for every album, um, there would be one or two ideas that are either far progressed or very rudimentary, uh, which would probably lend themselves to anthology if the band think they're good enough to be heard. They're much more... Um, able or willing sorry they're much more willing to let some of that stuff go these days than they were when we were first asking them in the 90s i mean the stuff we put out in 2011 on those bonus discs mm. i was staggered that brian said yes to sail away sweet sister we, we thought was great um justin and chris and i but we thought brian is probably not going to let this go because it's not absolutely pristine and polished but he did he thought, no, it's very interesting, very nice and different. Let's put it out. So for every album, there would be something. There isn't tons of stuff. The Miracle, which we worked on last year, quite a bit for that album. And when we finally release it, you'll hear probably more alternative songs for that album than for any other album. Um, would there be enough for a Made in Heaven revisit type of thing? Not certain, not certain. Mm -hmm. I mean, the thing to do, I mean, when I first started working for Queen, I went through all the outtakes from beginning to end for every album. It took me over a year making notes after notes on every single thing I heard. But I would do that very differently now with the experience I now have. I need to go back and do that again, looking really, focusing in on the things that lend themselves to anthology. And disregarding the things I know there's no way that they would say yes because right. the guitar's out of tune or Freddie's vocal is off or he's got a bad throat or it's too fast or it keeps breaking down. So I know what I could disregard and I know what things they might consider and anything in between I would put in the it's a possible candidate uh, category. So Brian got in trouble for mentioning on radio when me and my friend Ellis interviewed him that he'd found a very very early recording of Queen and he said there's a chance it might see the light of day and I think Roger said no I don't know way, if he, said he found it I'm not sure but well, it, no, no, he found it but it exists yes it exists in the archive and has been there for a long time there's lots of cassettes that Brian's retained which we've archived and photographed we haven't transferred them all yet but we're getting through them and we tend to do it on a album by album basis so we did that for the news of the world we listened to everything we had including all those old cassettes we found all kinds of things like freddie singing brian's all dead or dead wow. i think didn't i hadn't heard it on any multi-track i only ever heard it first anyway on cassette uh, so that was an unbelievable find and it made its way all the way through to the album so there are things like that that exist, um, but that particular record, we, we have known about it, we just haven't investigated it in any detail. And we had good reason last year to go back to the earliest Queen recordings and just recap. We've got to start somewhere. We thought we'll start at the beginning, let's recap, see what we've got. And that tape came up and we went, what is this then? Let's have a look at it. Chris Fredrickson in particular got seriously into that cassette and transferred it and we listened to it and it's not alone in containing some very significant early Queen. There are others, but there's Is it pre-John Deacon early? Yes. Mm. Wow. That's weird. 
Hmm. Well, oh, I've got goosebumps. <laughs> Can you text it to me? <laughs> uh, the thing is, I mean, I can't on. say too John much. But it... Text it to me. What about us? Where's the us, John? <laughs> if we were ever to do a, an early Queen box, let's say, just for the sake of argument, there, there, there's a lot of stuff for the early, the, the first three albums, and there's pre-Queen stuff, and there's even pre-John Deacon recordings. But there are photographs as well. Doug Puddifoot took photographs of um, pre-Queen. The mm. four of them sat at Imperial, um, sitting mm. around and chatting and posing for the, posing for the camera. Um, so there's, there are some really nice photographs and extremely rare, and I don't think they've ever been seen before. So an anthology or a rarity early years thing isn't all about the music. Sometimes it's about the 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 story and the history and, mm. and the photographs. Mm. Mm. Well all of that stuff is, is fabulously interesting. Beautiful. Come on, Suze, mm. let's hear your question, because I've only got one left now. Okay. It's a silly question. Well, it, in your 24 years of being an archivist for Queen, mm. what are some of the more exciting things you've found that were maybe thought lost? Have there ever been things that were thought completely gone uh, and that were then unearthed? Um, well, in terms of memorabilia, there's tons of stuff I've I've found lurking in strange places that Brian had forgotten about. And he said, wow, where, where did you get that poster? Can you get me one? And I said, it is your poster. <laughs> oh, is it? Yes, Brian, it, was, it was upstairs in the bedroom, in the under... Oh. Well, have you, tried the, have you tried the metal cabinet out on the unit? No, where's the metal cabinet? So, for example, when we did the complete Queen lyrics book about 2013 or 14, mm-hmm. I was aware of, I know, 130 individual sheets of handwritten lyrics so we did the book Richard Gray and I and we photographed them all and then about six months later Brian said to me have you been through that metal cabinet out upstairs on the landing I said no I'm not aware of that so I went through it and of course there were 60 or 70 sheets of oh. handwritten lyrics for the first five albums oh, oh wow my God. including Keep Yourself Alive so that mm. was a massive find yeah really good and we will we will update that book one day and we does will it put feel them... like striking oil when you but that happens. it does a bit mm. yeah it, it, it does can... i mean some people will think so what big deal handwritten lyrics but to me oh handwritten by huge. brian may in 1970 yeah. or by freddie in 74 or something mm. all four of them and then the, the alternative to that is when i was listening through the music outtakes and I first heard um, Let Me In Your Heart Again, mm. which I didn't know about, never heard of. I, I mean, you probably know Anita recorded a version for her solo album and Brian produced it. Right. But I had no idea. I, d- I don't think I did. At the time I was listening in 97, I don't think I knew that Freddie had recorded a version. Or Queen had, Freddie singing. And when it came on, and it was a very finished version... It wasn't just an idea. It was very finished. I, I literally was falling off the chair. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. It's so phenomenally good. Mm. An amazing track. I had n- uh, yeah. no idea why it didn't feature on the Works album. Yeah. No, no clue. There would have been a reason at the time, but no. things like is, that. Is there? Is there's. I've heard often told the tale of the Under Pressure recording where they sort of fiddling around in the studio and then they all go and get drunk and no one can remember the bass line <laughs> and they come back and it just sounds so great. Is there other stuff around those days with David Bowie anywhere? Yeah, there are some outtakes where they're, they're working through some of his old songs um, and covers of old... burst into tears. <laughs> <laughs> I just, it's so... I can totally understand... Brian and Roger's point of view, the band's point of view, that if it isn't perfect, we're not putting it out. But at no other, in no other area, are they so far removed from the average fan's point of view <laughs> because it's just like, give me three hundred gigabytes of John farting on an outtake, and I will listen to it. <laughs> I'll send you some tapes tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> All right, listen, let's uh, let's close up with a, a, a little bit of fun. This has been so good. I've had so much fun with you, Greg. This has been lovely. Yeah. Um, but Emily Redman, and I thought it oh, would Emily. be... Hello, Emily. I haven't seen you know Emily, Emily? Redman for, got to be, 25 years. Oh, wow. I'm lying. Amazing. Of course I'm lying. <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> My God, what a dry wit. So, her question is, <laughs> do you have a favourite 70s outfit, any live gig, any member... Or do you have one in mind that you would, despite the fact that it's Queen of the 70s, describe as too ridiculous even for them? This is a question for everyone, but I thought it would be really fun to no, ask it while you're, in, while you're with us because you have access to most of these outfits. I think you'll find Emily Redman is renowned for asking very good questions. It's true, she is. She <laughs> is. You know her so well. <laughs> I think it's a good question. And it's, it's strange in, in that if I saw anybody any point wearing some of the things that Freddie wore on stage, <laughs> if I saw them walking down Carnaby Street and you would just look at them and think, what do you look like? Do you have any idea what you look like? But in the context of Queen on stage in 75 at the Hammersmith Odeon, I think Freddie looked absolutely astonishing and, and mesmerising. And I didn't think for one second he looked ridiculous quite the opposite i don't know quite how that works i don't know why i think it would look absurd well okay you can wear things on stage that would look absurd on the street and vice versa but some of those things he wore with those winged things on the mm. on the back mm. of his uh, trousers at the bottom and the winged outfits are a bit crazy but i think he looked breathtakingly good <laughs> I always thought he, he just had such incredible presence and a, a good deal of it was the costume mm, yeah. Mm, so yeah. I love all, to answer the question anything from the 74, 5, 76 Hyde Park I think those costumes were iconic and memorable and I, I love all that stuff and it just, makes such brilliant footage and photographs as well. Yeah, it's just slightly outside of the era, only just. But uh, we were just chatting a bit earlier about this little point um, before we, uh, just while we wait for you to come in, and um, uh, it's the tighty whitey little shorts that he wears. Is it Montreal, where mm. he's oh, just yeah. literally yeah. barely in pants at all, and he's <laughs> yeah. just doing the whole kick, and I was like, that is, that for me is always so outrageous, and yeah, he can, he can pull off anything, like, except maybe those shorts, they're probably too tight, but other than it's that, cause, you know. It's because he always wears the outfit, the outfit never wears him. Oh, oh there you go. If you wear your outfit, no one will ever question it, but if you're sort of, like when you wear crazy shoes, and it's like the shoes are wearing you, then yeah. people go... <laughs> What's that? That's why we've got Suze Kemner on the team, right there. Yeah. <laughs> How about the rest of you? Have you got any um, outfits that you just think of and just go, wow, that was nuts? Uh, and then Greg can tell us whether they've actually got that safely secured. Oh, the red jacket on the Hot Space Tour with white arrows. Oh, they're nice. Yeah, we, we, got, we do retain quite a bit of costume. Um, Roger has a lot of that stuff. I think he's quite sentimental about those things. You know, Freddie being his, one of his best friends mm. in the world, mm. and he retains his friend's jackets, and he probably thinks, I'll look after those right. for right. you. you know, I swim More than the menus. I get. More than the menus. <laughs> yeah, exactly. More than the, the acetates. Those jackets that were on stage in front of Roger's eyes so many mm -hmm. times. Mm -hmm. Well, they so ran he's... that clothes store together, didn't they? You know, I mean, that's yeah. probably yeah. is yeah. a deep connection. So we do have... We do have some of those bomber jackets and trousers and leotards, and right. I think they're great, actually. I mean, you, you have to actually pinch yourself. You walk in the archive and you see one of the first things you'd, you'd see is Freddie's orange and green and white um, Harlequin leotard from... Oh, the Harlequin, oh. And you think, my God, Freddie Mercury wore that yeah. on stage. Yeah. And there it is. Yeah. That's why so, I wear it for work, but not all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so you say you walk into the archive. Is there any, I know there have been some sort of touring exhibitions and uh, there's the, the studio experience in Montreux. Are there any plans to, to display this stuff slightly more permanently? Because just, it, I know it wasn't necessary memorabilia but when they had that queen shop on carnaby street that mm. to walk in there was just an absolute delight i must have visited that shop 20 yeah. times <laughs> there has been talk there's been talk um 
various at various points. You know that there is a permanent exhibition in Montreux at the moment mm. at the studio, Mountain Studio, and that's been there probably five six years, and it has uh, quite some nice stuff there, some costume, and we kind of represented all the albums and most of them the albums that Queen worked on at that studio. But it would be nice to have something in in England. Well, well Greg, it just so turns great. out that we are currently in the process of securing investment for Queenland, which is a <laughs> Queen theme park that we are building. <laughs> We've got all the rides figured out, haven't we, John? Yeah. They're all figured yeah. out. We know where you're going to go for your drinks, at, you know, and all that stuff, haven't we, Suze? We've got it all figured yeah. out. And we just thought, you know what, that would be an ideal place. That would be the ideal place. Wouldn't it? Yeah. Is it in Hyde Park? It, it, that's... It, I think it would be a good that, use for yeah. Hyde Park. Yeah. 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 It's Mr. Hyde awesome. that we're getting the investment from, actually, the Hyde family. <laughs> yeah. So, um... It's called Alton Staying Powers. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I have w- one... Can I... Sorry, I've got so many questions. Can I just ask one more question? Of course, explain? Yeah, Rush, so, oh, bless you. If... You seem like you're 10 again right now, John. <laughs> well, <laughs> I've never had a Zoom call with someone I so much want to be. <laughs> <laughs> is and there I, an opening for me? No one's ever said that. That is what John is <laughs> basically trying to say at this point. So, say that the band said to you, Greg, we're going to put out Greg Brooks's Queen Rarities CD. We're not even going to look and listen to the stuff. You can have whatever you want. The first thing we'll know about it is when it's in the shops. <laughs> Uh, you have permission for any recording of us, whether it's a video or audio. Are there any things that spring to mind that you would be desperate to to have see the light of day? Yes, some of the massive arguments I've heard. From the <laughs> <laughs> yes! Oh, some can of you tell us about them? No, well, some of it's extremely funny. <laughs> and some of it's not so funny and it's quite serious because right. you're listening to four very serious people really focused and but not always aiming for the same thing mm. um someone someone has an idea which is in absolute polar opposite contrast to somebody else's idea and mm-hmm. there's an argument and the argument escalates and it's quite funny because uh, sometimes you'll hear freddie trying to calm things down and sometimes you'll hear somebody storm out Right. Slam down his instrument and the door goes, and then there's this terrible silence. <laughs> and somebody says, Well, I'll let him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think if we were going to do an anthology, like I was talking about my book earlier, where it's warts and all, it's only right, I think, that as well as the wonderful music, you'd have to, you'd have to expose some of the process of recording it. Mm. And here, the harmonious stuff, but some of the clashes and arguments as well, because that's oh all my part of the God. creative process. Sounds amazing. Some, well, of that... is, some of it is extremely funny, really funny. So that means you can really go to town on the hot space box set. <laughs> <laughs> Triple CD He's nodding. Box set. He's nodding on that one. <laughs> uh, actually, um, earlier on, in the, in the mid-70s, 75, 6, I can remember some really aggressive um comments and harsh things that you can say to someone if you know them well enough Mm. you can just you could put it very nicely and tactfully over 25 words and take two minutes doing it or you could put it in three words in four seconds (laughs) that's what they do they're very efficient with their words and one of them will tell the other exactly what he thinks very quickly and very concisely and to us you'd think oh how can you work in that atmosphere but they they uh they turned out some amazing stuff because mm. of that process did that I think calm it down been... later like say by the time I you're getting to the obviously to the miracle it probably and the did, but they were just um for very uh driven mm. people you know mm. and passion and all the rest of it mm. so like i've said if they if they weren't like that if it had been too easy and they never argued mm. i think we wouldn't have had the great music that we we do have Most because good. it because it was fought for brian said that didn't he famously mm. it was fought for mm. 
Mm. And you can hear it on some of the outtakes and Freddie in the control room trying to get through and uh, and trying to keep everybody calm and focused when... Mm. Yeah, and I think Freddie learned that each actually other. on the Mr. Bad Guy experience, didn't he, where he came out of that and kind of went, do you know what, without those three guys telling me off and everything, the product, mm. you know, mm. if I'm surrounded by people just saying, yes, it's not going to be quite as rich as it is when we get on a Queen album. It's mm. amazing. I wow. Think, I think you'd have to... We'd have to offer some of that, a taste of that. Yes, please. So for people to get a really good and accurate overview of what it was like with Queen in the recording studio, it wasn't all fun and games and mm. laughing. There was sometimes some aggression and bad language and, you know, all that stuff happened because it would do four young guys um, quite happy to say exactly what they think. Mm -hmm. And maybe a couple but of beers in on occasion as well. Maybe, <laughs> yeah. but yeah. also when you're when you're listening to those sorts of bonus albums, when you're making an album, you don't want people to imagine they're in a studio. You want to be in another world. You want to be, mm. you know, at the Dreamers Ball, mm. the Millionaires Waltz. You want to be wherever Bohemian Rhapsody is. But when you listen to the outtakes, it gives you such a connection. So there's a, a there's like a four CD version of Moon Dance by Van Morrison, which I got, and just hearing him in the booth going. What, what take are we on? Is it, mm -hmm. is it take four? Okay, roll take four. It's so cool because you yeah. feel like you're there in a way that you perhaps don't necessarily want when you listen to a, a polished released album. Mm. It's tricky because um, the sort of things you're talking about, the band at the time never imagined for a second it would ever become public. Mm. You know, uh, all these artists recording and never thought that those recordings would have any reason to make it onto vinyl and CD 30 mm. years later. So I think it's difficult for them to get their heads around it. They're used to putting out polished, pristine recordings, not work in progress. I genuinely just want an album of uh, their greatest hits of arguments. That's all I really want. <laughs> Thank you so much, Greg. My God. Thank you. It's Greg, so amazing for you to when join us. When can we come to the archives? <laughs> <laughs> We're happy like we to are. come one by one if that's better for you. <laughs> we'll see what we can do one day. We'll email Yay. You I'm going to hear the fights. <laughs> we are, um, on that note, you can imagine we are extremely protective of the archive you, you know no one comes there unless they absolutely have to you, you know we we're quite strict about it as you could count on one hand the people that have been there we right it's, it's uh it's the focal point of the whole archive is is the tapes and the video and the well, film. I absolutely have to Suze do you absolutely have to <laughs> I do have you to do, don't right. you, John? Yeah. Oh, well if you absolutely have to yeah, fair enough <laughs> I've got to I've got to place this uh, <laughs> this Christmas cracker in the archives, and I will and I will and you'll have a little sort of uh, little cabinet for it, I imagine. I, I, I understood that if you bring biscuits, Greg will let you in. That's basically I, how. I, I Which one are we talking? Boasters? <laughs> Riddles sold. If it's malted milk, I'll definitely let you in. All right. Oh, oh I can get I can get you loads of them. All right. <laughs> There's a shop no, desk down there. They sell them. <laughs> thank <laughs> you so it. much, Greg. That's been amazing. Greg Brooks, right. everyone. Yay. Thanks, Greg. All right. Thanks, guys. Oh, thanks man. for that, buddy. Thank Catch up really you enjoyed that. Thanks Cheers. so much. Bless you. That was good fun. Yeah, well done. We could have done four hours on that. That's it. Awesome. Very easily. Very, <laughs> yeah. very easily. This has been The Queen Pod, a Seven Seas Films production, edited and produced by me, Fergus March. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram, and stay in touch by emailing queenpod at thequeenpodcast.com. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.